Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. Hi, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I am your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is absolutely marvelous Wayne McCoy. Wayne, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Tom? Good. Are you really well, though? Well, as well as I can be with stage four lung cancer, but being very well looked after by some sectional staff here at Geelong Hospital, so yeah, the pain, yeah. pain comes and goes, so we'll work through that, but I'll start chemo tomorrow, so hopefully that's a, just a good start of getting my health back on, on track again. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible to hear that, Wayne, and it, it it's, I, I, I'm really, I don't know, I'm sad that we've met at this time and not earlier, but that's that's okay. It is what it is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, can I ask you one question to start with? Because, uh, yeah, sorry, this, this, yeah, this lung cancer is is this is this from I don't know smoking or is it? Is, do, do you know what's caused it? Well, they believe it's it's from smoking. I haven't smoked for about ten and forty years, but it's still caught up with me. Yeah. So I, I was prior to I was probably smoking something like 25, 30 years prior. So you know, there's a lot of <laughs> excuse me, there's a lot of um bad stuff that's gone on between now and then, and you know, as far as the smoking goes. But the giving giving up the smoking was the best thing I've ever done. Well, other than marrying my wonderful wife, probably the best thing I've ever did was give up smoking. But like I said, it still put up for me. So yeah. but you know, we're, I'm very lucky that I'm in the 21st century in the third quarter, third yeah, third decade of the 21st century of that. So, yeah, quite like they've got the medicines and the procedures that they have these days are far more advanced than what they were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Does it does it concern you? The I don't know. The last few years, I've seen a huge intake of people who've gone literally from smoking to yeah. this new wave of vaping. Vaping. Oh, I think that's ridiculous. It is, it's, I think it's more dangerous. It appears to be more dangerous. I'm not 100% knowledgeable on, on that subject, but from my understanding, the vaping is it's far worse 
than than smoking because people think that they're doing they're, they're doing better. They're trying to give up smoking and I'm vaping instead. Well, mate, you're still taking nicotine. And I've seen you've seen that I've seen some reports that some people have been hospitalised from from vaping. So I don't I can't see it being an alternative. And the the companies are very smart in um, how they uh, market it and suck, suck the young people in. So it's just another just another lie that they put together to 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 sell a product. Yeah, yeah. All right, Wayne, I know a little bit about you because I see you occasionally on LinkedIn and I've also done a little bit of research. But for those who don't know much about you yet, can you tell us a little bit about your professional journey, where you started and how you ended yeah. up in safety? Yeah, well, it's an interesting story. Yeah, we go well back, way back to the days where I was living in Adelaide and working for GMH Holden, actually witnessed a workplace death, me and about half a dozen others. We had this contract to come in. It's back in the glory days when they were making six or seven hundred cars a day, so you know production was really ramped up, and they couldn't afford to have any machines out on in the in maintenance. They just wanted them back in in, in play because they, you, know, you stop you stop their body shop. It's about fifty. It's talking about fifty thousand dollars now, so it's it's really critical to keep things running now for their from their perspective. So. This contract, he was coming in, he just topped up the oils, and checked the oil levels, topped them up. And this machine was rushed back into production and called a chiller machine. So what happens with the with the injection, uh, injection mold machines, you've got bees in the hopper, comes down to, into the, this gun, which heats up to about six or 700 degrees, and then it ejects into the mold. And it's like it explodes and just fills up, fills up the mold, and this chiller machine throws in a ton of water cold water to, to harden the material so it can be extracted from the mould. comes down to our swap riders. We uh, inspect it through the packet, stamp it and pack it. And anyway, this machine, this chill machine was, uh, was rushed back into, into operation. The guy, guy put his hand on it and it was, uh, it was electrified without him knowing. And he got he got zapped straight away. He was electrocuted and, and died straight on the spot. There was half a dozen of us, obviously, about six or seven of us witnessed that. We able to try to help him out, and uh, we couldn't resuscitate him, and uh, we just watched him die. So, one of one of our, uh, the guys was smart enough to turn the machine off and isolate it, so no one else could be suffer that same peril. And as it turned out, the that machine was, didn't have the safety checks go go through before it was pushed back into put back into operation. So they missed a step, and unfortunately, one of the wires wasn't connected properly, and. It, they had come off and touched the, the metal casing, therefore make, making the, the unit live. So that's as much as I know about that. And they get caught it. Oh, excuse me, the pain. Caught a kismet or, or the kudos. The, uh, about two weeks after that, there was a, a advertisement in my area for a health and safety representative. And, and I saw it and I thought about it and a bunch of other people saw it because I was normally a spokesperson for the group. And they all come to me and say, look, why don't you go for it? Because we'll, we'll support you. We want you to, to represent us. I so, okay, well, that's nice to have that support. So I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll put my hand up. And that's the start of my journey. Mm. And ever since then, I've, uh, I've always uh, maintained that, you know, you'll see on my, my profile that shortcut can only cut you off short without someone else. So that's my that's my go-to. I make sure that people don't take shortcuts because if you want to, Take a shortcut. Well, let's let's make sure you go and do it in a safe way. Mm. So, you know, I've seen the I've seen the worst end of it, and I don't want to see that see that again. Mm. Not on my watch. 
No, no, absolutely not. All right, just having a look back, I see we have a, a shared employer at one stage. We both worked as uh, mail officers for Australia Post. How did you find that? Oh, that's a long time ago, yeah. Well, that was um, when I went back to ask my marriage break up, my first marriage break up, but we come back home to mum and dad and just a bit of support network. And my father, he worked for Australia Post at the time and there, it just happened too. I I think he helped me get the job, but they they said no, yeah, you got on your own, but uh, whatever. It was still still employment, so that was a good experience. It was good, not a bad not a bad gig, but uh, I tell you what, they they are up and ready in, in the background. Yes, over there. Hopefully they improve, but I, from the news stories I've seen recently, the things haven't changed too much. No, no, I I. I went back 15 years after I left to train some of their health and safety reps, literally Adelaide, Dandenong, Geelong, Sydney, and, and in Brisbane, I can tell you, there's very little changed 15 years after I left. I was surprised. I was like, you still have the same problems, exactly the same problems that we had back then. And I don't know. I don't know if it's not, whether they're not smart enough or they're just not committed enough, but Oh, I think everything, everything about that starts with management. Yeah. And, and the, the shop will have a fair bit to do with it as well. So it's a bit of, bit of both. So you've got anything anything to do with culture. There's there's two components. So you've got your shop floor component and you've got your top management component. That's what's stopping you from getting from where you need to, from where you are to where you need to be. And that's having a genuine care for another person and genuine care about the your work environment. So it's not just about people, it's about processes and procedures and training and the whole whole kicking poodle. Yeah, yeah. You've done you've done a stack, a stack since you've got into safety. You've worked for a lot of employers. Out of all of them, which has been your favourite? Oh well, at the moment I have to say where I am at Marat, I have to say that because they have been tremendously supportive through my situation now. Mm-hmm. And it's a really challenging environment, it's a forever changing environment, but you know, they've been outstanding. Prior to that, I'd have to go back and say probably Marvel Stadium, and so I'll go there too, but Marvel Stadium was outstanding in that you know, they had so many different events and it wasn't just football, it was cricket, you know, soccer, the cage fighting, basketball, that was a big event. Um, the motocross, motor you know, they, they, they have all these sorts of uh, uh uh, programs going on and um, even the RMIT when they do the presentations for at the end of the year and that's, that's a big event in itself and then the Jehovah's Witness Convention and uh, it's just goes, this goes on and on so I had to do emergency evacuation uh, emergency management plans for each and every one of those events and every, everyone is different so it's a really changing environment um, and to see what happens in, in the behind the scenes is you know, quite incredible so there's a lot of, lot of people doing a lot of hard work and the, the 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 managers in the background are absolutely superb people. So yeah, milestone was was a was a cracker. But yeah, unfortunately, COVID got in the way of that, and there was another redundancy. So uh, over my time, I've had suffered four redundancies, and two of them during the COVID times. Mm. And then there's a, a bunch of contract work as well. So this is probably where I am now. Is I want to stay. It's, it's, I really love, love love the job. I like the people, and they love me and like I said, they've been tremendously supportive. So I, I just want to stay here for the rest of my days, which is another, well, hopefully, depending on what's going on here, but hopefully another 10 years or so. So that's, that's, my, that's my plan. Sweet, sweet. Just want to talk to you about 
public management and events with safety must yeah. be, must be completely world different than for most safety professionals because you've got that marvelous thing called the public and their behavior i i gotta tell you there's a oh i won't say which but i've been to a stadium recently we'll say that and yeah. every time i've been to this stadium it seems to be problematic not so much getting people into the stadium getting but getting, getting them out and i mean i don't know maybe i i'm 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 from another planet, but I would think that the priority here is getting them out as quickly as possible in a safe manner. But yes, you know, sometimes it takes 40 minutes. That's a long time. That's a that's a long time. And and when you only open a few gates for people to go, I just go, there's so much potential here for things to go wrong. Absolutely. Actually, you're dead right. Yeah, well, that's some, that's one thing that we at Melbourne we made sure that we had all gates, so all the gates are magnetic, so they they can be open from the control room yep. at any time. So, and they they know where we we got quadrants at Melbourne. We had quadrants, and I dare say all stadiums had some similar thing. So we got four ramps basically. So the first thing we got when you got an event going, I'll say U two concert for example, mm-hmm. you've got to look after the talent. So the talent goes around. In the back of the house and they get escorted out and we, meanwhile you don't forget the public of course but in the public we try to guide them out we've got to have the team we've got team leaders at various locations to put people out and then we had the wording you know, around the, the uh for the stadium the tiers you know that with the the led lighting at the front for those those two stands so we had lighting there to say so pointing at the exit this way exit this way so we could then help guide people out in this in an orderly manner, and we we did that. We watched that at the end of the I think it was the end of the basketball where you know, I can't remember it might not be in basketball. There was another event, but we watched it at the end of it. And when people you know, when people finish, they, they want to go. They they just go, and it it really worked really well. We just had the signs out this way out this way out, and it worked worked really well. So. It can, it can be done. It's, it's just got to be coordinated you know, well. Yeah. yeah. I've never been to an event in the MCG, but the people I've spoken to tell me that within about 15 to 20 minutes, they can have the, like the literally the full house completely gone. And that, that's, to me, I would have thought that's, as I said, I think that's the ultimate aim, isn't it? Once you, yeah. once the event's over, it's, it's let's get everyone out as quickly as we can in a safe manner. Yeah. Because, because there is potential there when you've got a large crush of people all yeah. wanting to go out. But, you know. Yeah, exactly right. If you're more, and the more gates you have open, the easier it is to, for people to flow out. Now, you think of a nest, they've got various tunnels going through. They, and there's, if they just had one, one exit to go out, you know, they'll never get out. So you've got to have multiple exits. Yeah. All right, lots of different views in safety in the last few years. We've got to the old behaviourist view. We've got safety one, safety two. We've got hop. What does Wayne believe in? Well, I believe in just I believe in having the right culture, just being being who you are, just being being true to yourself, integrity. Just you know, you can't you can't be integrity for me. So I believe. Excuse me. You've got to have, you've got to be, you've got to have integrity. 
it's so important to point to me. If you say you're going to do something, you, you just you do it. Or you, if you can't do it, you explain why you can't do it. And this is the plan that, that you try to go forward to, to try to get it done. And you may need help. No one knows everything. No one, not one person knows everything. So I, I'm not impressed by people with all these letters after the names. So I'm more impressed with what they do with it. Because just because you've got letters after your name, just, just interestimate that you can study. That's all that's what that means to me. But if you apply it, then great, then you've got my interest. But yeah, integrity is a big thing. So and I'm really big on big on culture. I watched the it's me. I watched the, the podcast that you had with Professor. Oh, it's just escaped me. Yeah, Nectarius uh, Caranicus. No, no. Before he was, oh, he, he was big on the behavioural safety. Um, Daniel Andrew Andrew Hopkins. Hopkins, yes, it. Yeah, he was brilliant. Or a big fan of his. Yep. And everything that he said, oh, I totally agree with. So I'm really, I'm pretty on the same page as him. And everywhere I've gone, I'm pretty, pretty much been Mr. Fixer. That's like, that's okay. I don't, don't mind that. And but we've got this, I think, the same attitude as each other, excuse me, as each other. And this is, you know, you, this culture is not just about people. It's a, people are a big part of it, but you've got to look at why there's, uh, an incident, it never comes down to a single person. It comes down to the organisation always because if a person has done something deliberate, well, why have they done it deliberate? Why is the culture like this? Because it, is, it's, it has evolved that way because of many other factors. Uh, you've, you've got procedures, you've got policies, you've got people being involved, people in the procedures, involving people in the risk assessment. You know, oh, you just say management say this is a risk assessment. Here we go. Off you go and do that, and and they you know, that's where things fall down because the people will ultimately not follow a procedure that that they don't understand. They'll, they'll just go their own way, and then you then you're in strife. So you've got to have people involved in it. The subject matter they're the subject matter experts. You've got to have them involved, thoroughly involved, and then once you. You get them involved, you have more of an understanding about what goes actually goes on, and then you can put it into into practice far better uh, than you otherwise would. So, so you got always have those sorts of things, and same with policies, and you've got to have the consultation. I'm big on consultation as well. So, you know, get the HSRs involved because I'm a HSR from way back, so you know, they'll never get a bigger support than me. Always, always with a big support, and. Yeah, you've got to have them, everyone involved. So, and you've got to be integral. You've got to be, you've got to be really upfront and honest. And all those things in the background have to work. So, you've got your training as well. So, who's doing the training? Are they qualified to train someone else? So, um, ergonomics, for example. When I was doing a HSR course way, way back when, I had this guy who was just, he was just reading from a book. You know, he's teaching us ergonomics. So. And we all complain and say, well, we learned nothing from that. We could, we could read the book and be no, no better off, no worse off. So to do the right sort of training that's actually involved and, and committed to you know, making sure that people understand it, you've got to have that passion. If you don't have that passion, then get out. You're not, you're not doing the right thing. So, so that's pretty much what makes me take. So integrity, credibility, passion, they're, they're three big ones. Yeah. Is it... Would you would you say that safety advisor safety roles are predominantly people positions where you actually have to I don't know 
like and care about the people as well as being transparent, honesty, and have that, as you say, integrity? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, definitely. I think I think if you haven't if you haven't got a genuine passion, then you're not you shouldn't be in the game. It's not it's not a you know, people who who force their feet to the bum and expect people to to do what they what they want them to do. Well, you know, welcome to the real world because that's not how it works. You've got to be you've got to have the passion. You've got to be actually genuine about the care about another person. I, I've I run a campaign. I was only in this role. I've only been in the rat for about 10 months. I ran this campaign, I'll make a difference campaign when I was about three months in. And I was, it, so it didn't take me long to get to really uh, know the people really well um, and uh, show them that there was a genuine care. And they, they they all come to me and they all talk to me like their mate like, or next to a neighbour or something like that, so, which is fantastic. And Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I run this campaign and I make a difference and uh, I showed a video about it and it was only a six-minute video, so I was quite sure so I didn't have to have too much attention span. But during that time, you could have heard a pin drop. And then I, when I gave them the, the response of that, I make a difference. And then I looked them in the eye, shook their hands and said, thank you for making making a difference. And the one response was for them to wear. And the another two response was to give away to other people who have made a difference in their life. And there's a few of them that actually took that away and sent it to the children. And they, I was gave them the link to the video as well so they could show their the children. And they said it was marvellous. And it was just a, the most heartwarming thing that they've ever done for their family. So. Uh, it's far far reaching that sort of stuff. So, and that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. You got to have, you you got to be absolutely genuine with your passion, not just have a passion. So, oh, I'm, I don't want to see, I want to die again. I, I you can't do that. You got to be really strict. Day, you've got you've got to put the big stick away, and you've just got to work with the people and work with them uh, hand in hand, as as it were. So, you got to have your hand on heart. I can say absolutely, I am absolutely genuine with my passion. And the passion doesn't, the emotion doesn't override it. So it doesn't guide me or it kind of does guide me, but it doesn't, I guess, doesn't control me 100%. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because you started as a HSR, health and safety rep, because you're exposed to industrial incidents and death in the workplace, do you think that basically helps set you up in the role so that you actually, you weren't coming at it as a career, you are coming at it purely from caring about your people. Yeah, I think I think that's right. 
I think I think it's yeah, I think you're bang on with that actually. So it, it's funny how how life works out because all I was is a just a shop floor uh, worker, not doing too much and just you know, making ends meet basically. And and when this thing happens, and oh, excuse me, the pain's just come back. But yeah, when you see things like that happen, and you go, oh, you don't want to see this happen again. And then you, 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 your passion is, is born straight away because. Oh, I've been always always been genuine with people anyway, I've always been transparent, I've always been upfront. Hence why I was a spokesperson for that group and hence why they, they wanted me to represent them. So and then from there I, I could see a, a career a career path and I had some some great you know, mentors, as you would have seen on, on LinkedIn that I nominated a number of people, Craig Cater and, and Jenny Window to name to drop name drop. Yeah. They were fantastic people. They really helped me in my career and, and set me on a path and did my set for and, and I was just a panorama tape and managed to win, excuse me, managed to win the HSO of the Year Award from Southwick Australia, which is fantastic. And that really set me up. And then my still gave me my first gig in up and down. So then I, yeah, like I said, had a that sense. Yeah. Talking about working away, did you, you, when you've been a safety advisor, has it been predominantly working in the same area you're living or has it been fly in and fly out? Uh, no, I've never been fly in and fly out. kind of have in some ways, but once I was around the country a bit, started down and did some auditing in Mackay in Perth and built Bibber Lake and went over to, like I said, Mackay in Brisbane, Eagle Farm, Newcastle and other place, Fort Gambler. So, yeah, so I did some flying around. I am back in Adelaide and back again. So I did some flying around for, for as far as auditing goes, but it's basically in one place. So, so I wasn't really flying for you, so, so to speak. It was just flying around the country when needed. Hmm. All right. If there was one thing that you've seen in your time in safety that you'd like change to change in the future, what would it be? Oh, wow. Change my thing in the future. In safety. Wow. Attitude from the top end. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one. You know, you've got the manslaughter charges in Victoria, but you've got your, the representation is far worse. There's more, there's more to it than, there's more penalties than, than the, than the, the other law. And the, Manslaughter laws. So I think the manslaughter laws need to be really tightened up, and and that that you know, it comes back to attitudes again. So I say, but the yeah, attitudes is just to be the, the thing from the from the top end. It's got it. That's that's where it all starts. I think so. Anything anything in in, in between from the top end to the shop floor, all the stuff in between, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be get everything out of there. So when you one time, but they say you got your, your top four personnel, you got your, your, your top management, you put your hands together, and the, all that stuff's out there. You, once you, you know, once you organize all, all of that, you can identify, you pretty much identify where you are. You, you can use any scar that you want in the, in the safety curve, any any type of one that you want to use. So you identify where where you are as, a, as, as an individual, or as a group, or as a team, or as an organization overall. And then you obviously identify where you where you need to be, which is the point, and where you have that genuine care for each other. 
and then all that stuff that's, that's probably from down there. So that's where you start talking about why are, why are we back here? Why are we why are we so so reactive? So I'm big on I'm not I don't like lag indicators. I'm big on lead indicators. So all you all this stuff that's going to stop you from getting hurt. So all your positive performance indicators, your PPIs. So all your training you're going to do, how many hazards are being raised, your risk assessment is going to be done, all these sorts of things. So all your safety meetings, uh, all the, everything that helps you from, from getting people from getting hurt in the first place. So that's that's the biggest thing. And so you can work out where what's stopping you from getting from, from one point to another point, then you, you can slowly work through that. And that's what I'm talking about, all the stuff in the background, all the procedures, all the policies, all the training, getting people involved, having genuine care for us, and eventually it's going to take time because you, if you're back, way back being in a reactive stage, then you're a long way off the mark. You've been there for a reason. For that's, that's a lot, lot of years of being stuck in that, that, that rut, as it were. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get to that point end. But the only way you can do it is with the right attitude and the right genuine care, and, and everyone has to be committed. And, and it's going to take years of management commitment and shortfall commitment as well. So you just can't put on one person or one group of people. It's, it's everyone has to be involved. Everyone has to be has to have the same commitment. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of industrial manslaughter, you said you'd like to see it tightened up. Okay, I've got my own opinion about industrial manslaughter, but what do you mean? What do you mean tighten up? What would you like to see? Well, I think I'd like to see something. If industrial manslaughter is supposed to be the this big scary piece, mm. so, and, and it's really not. Yep. The industrial, the uh, reckless endangerment is the scary piece, really. Yep. So that, that needs to be pricked about. So that's how that's what I mean by tightening tightening up. So it's going to be the scary piece, and then let's put harsher controls, uh, harsher penalties in place, and and make it make it scary. Otherwise, don't don't make it don't make the claim that it's going to be the scary piece when it's not. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I perfectly honest, industrial manslaughter, the way it's written. Yeah, it's it's one of these things I think was done again, like most things in safety, with best intentions, but my god, it misses the mark. It's yeah. the, the number of successful prosecutions you're gonna have from that, let alone it being a deterrent, is it, absolute minimal. It's it it's got a it's yeah. got it's got a big sounding reputation, but yeah, I think it misses the mark. Something severe. Oh, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. So, yeah, when it, when it first came in, I, I blind, blindly thought, yeah, this this is good. The intention was good. Uh, but like you said, the way the way it's written is it's, it's it's weak as water, to be honest. So, yeah. Which which is why we've had so few successful prosecutions across Australia, despite. Yeah. Despite the fact that we've had like a thirteen percent increase in the fatalities in the workplace across Australia in the last twelve months, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, really. So yeah, you might you might as well not have you might as well just go with the reckless endangerment if they if they they're going to be prosecuted. That's probably what they would go to. But then work safe will prosecute whatever they can work with and. I don't know what the, what their agenda is, to be honest, but I don't think anyone probably knows. But you know, I like to think that the the agenda would be to punish, the, get the right sort of punishment, so that you know, to stop a recurrence and make sure the improvements that are made, and you go back and make sure that they are doing the right thing and they are, are doing the 
improving Spain. You know, they are also, I think, hamstrung in that they don't have enough personnel. So there's, there's not enough funding. So it all comes back to funding once again. So I think maybe there's a school of thought. I think that's worth saying. They're trying to prosecute people in all sorts of various ways so they can make the money back off that, so they can do more recruiting and what have you. So, but I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, it's just a school of thought that I've heard from here and there. Yeah, I. It's one of those things that we, I, th I think most people in safety would love there to be more inspectors working for your regulators, but there's very few of us in, in, in the general public who are putting our hands up to say, hey, we'll pay more taxes so there can be more inspectors. <laughs> uh, it's it's one of those chestnuts. And I think because of limited staff, they're literally having to pick inverted commas winners when yes. they go to prosecution. Yeah, um, exactly right. Exactly right. And, that, and that's why they put improvement notices on instead and, and pins and those sorts of things. So, yeah, that they, I don't think you, it's not too often you'll see people go to court unless there's been a death or a serious head injury or something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, what's been the best, what in, in a workplace, what has been the best? type of support you've got from senior management oh that's easy right, right now the support i'm getting right now from marat is outstanding mm -hmm. my, my immediate advice well, no, i've got two dollar line i've got dollar line recording so one goes to he i don't see him very often he's he's works out at laverton but another one i work closely with that in port melbourne aaron made a drop a name again he's been fantastic just the support he's been given, and it's just been incredible. I'm still working from the hospital bed, uh, but there's only so much work you do remotely. So, but they they're all stepping up. Hey, and the order management team stepping up to do more work for me. Well, I can't be there to do it. I can I can facilitate it back here, and I can do some paperwork back here and, and uh, electronically and that. But they need to be out there more physically, being visual, being more visual leaders than uh, they otherwise would be. So no, that's they've been really outstanding in, in all in all ways. I haven't missed out on, on any any pay or any conditions. So we actually did a an exercise where the head or with this stuff that I that I do, and and they they, they give a rough time and they throw it to me and I, I add a few bits and pieces in there and then they put that oh looks like we're overworking you. So hello, yes, you are. <laughs> so pay me the money, show me the money. But so seriously, they, they, they recognise that so there's a lot of work that's, that's been done. So um, they've really been fantastic in, in supporting me. So I think they, they're looking at putting on the, another person um, to help out, not just where I am, but across the Oceania areas. So, uh, yeah, so the, I can't I can't fault their management. And also, you go, if I go through the whole the email, uh, not email, the uh, LinkedIn post that I did when I was, I thanked everyone um, for their support over my journey. There's, uh, there's, there's a heap of people, and Aaron currently is the current one. If we go back and there's yeah, one still, it's all to George Glad from Sabelka, they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, there, that, that place there, they had a really poor culture, and when I left, they had a really good culture. And that's thanks to them listening to me and, and supporting all the stuff that I wanted to do to change change the culture there. So 
and that's why I was saying that the commitment, ongoing commitment, and that that's what happened there. So, although many thanks to them, I'm thinking of going down the list now. I'm trying to think. Plus, I've worked at now. Tony, Tony Jenkins from DHHS, he was also fantastic. For us, yeah, John DeLeo, Mel Stadium, Brewing, actually Brewing Blood, uh, still and made a wine as well, still. So, yeah, there's, the, there's a whole list of people. So, but currently, I just can't fault how Marat has been so supportive to me and everything that I wanted to do but prior to this lung cancer thingy. Yeah, all the stuff that, that I had brought in, wanted to bring in. When I had an interview with Aaron, it's like talking to myself in some ways. We had, we're all both on exactly the same place, wanting the same outcomes. And, and I thought, this is brilliant. And it was a great, great start point to have a manager that has got his head in the right space. Yeah. Back when you were first starting in as a safety professional, Wayne, did you find it difficult to find your own voice? No, yes and no. Because I come from the shop floor, I found it pretty easy to mix and mingle with the guys on, on the shop floor and then get to hear what they were saying and being an active listener. So, and like I said, very difficult. It was fantastic. He, he said that to hear and what he did was unlock my passion, but I think he did a lot more than that because uh, he actually backed everything that I wanted to, to put forward. And so that, that, that support was fantastic. And I think that helped me. One still actually helped me a lot in gaining, gaining that voice and gaining that confidence to be able to present because I've only presented, no, not too many times since, excuse me, and the, it can be daunting at times, but uh, I think that, excuse me, the one seal is actually really good in educating you in, on how to present and be effective for your presentation, so I've got many, many things to do, one still back in the day, of course, for that, so it was an um, interesting start, but no, it wasn't it wasn't terribly difficult for me because I think I was, I was always natural, not outspoken, but um, not too not too backward coming forward. Good, good. All right, is it our duty as people who are well getting on a bit in the workplace? Is it our duty to actually mentor people starting off in the safety industry? I believe so. Yes, absolutely. In recent times. Different, uh, different environments. Um, you've got to, you've got to be able to mentor people, and and, and by mentor the HSR now. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but there's one HSR who had. Uh, there was two HSRs. I'll, I'll tell you a story. There's two HSRs. They're both very similar people, and one went off to union-run organisation to do the the training, the HSR five day training. Yep. And one went off to another organisation who's non non union related, and came back. Both very different people. Yep. They're both from the from the union. One just put pins on straight away. Yep. The other one was a bit more methodical. And he, he was getting some wins on the board. The other bloke wasn't getting any wins. And he go, well, I'm going to bring you wins. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, mate, just cool your heels. And they'll have to re-educate you how to behave as a HSR. So, so those sort of guys I mentor all the time. And I try to get in the front with the HSR straight away to make sure that they've got their heads in the right space. And that they know that they've got the support that they need. And, and that's where I think me being a HSA in my previous life um, has helped me enormously to have that conversation with the HSR so they can have that confidence that, hey, I am on, I'm on your side. I have your back. You, you'll have my backing all the time uh, within reason. So that's, that's really helping instead. So, yes, yes, we do need to be mentoring people, particularly the HSRs, 
because uh, they're the more likely ones to to come through their, their career path. Yeah, yeah. All right. Finally, I'll just give you one more question, Wayne. Well, if you had one piece of advice for someone who is aspiring to get into the safety field, what would it be? Make sure that you you have passion about it. Make sure you are absolutely passionate about it. You're doing it for the right reasons. Question yourself: Why do you want to do? Why do you want to protect people's safety? What's what's in it for you? And so, and what's in it for others? People say, whatever whatever you do is going to have a direct impact on on people, good or bad. So you need to be sure that your passion is absolutely genuine, and that your passion is not going to be controlling you. Every step of the way, you've got to be able to control it, and you've got to be in control of yourself. So, I'd be questioning. Make sure, make sure you're doing it for the for the right reasons, not just because it's the sexy industry, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it. All the all the high paying industry either. <laughs> no, well, it's not that either. No, no. <laughs> I think well, I think the thing that went off the mark there was about twenty k at least. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne McCoy, absolute pleasure speaking to you today. All the very best, mate, and good Thank luck you. with the chemo. And Thank I'm you. hoping you'll be around to come and talk to us again sometime soon. No worries, mate. I'll be more than happy to, to do that. And thank you very much. It's been much most enjoyable talking to you too, Tom. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.